Hello, my friend. This is Clyde. Three in one, one in three. Psalm 139 verses 23 and 24 says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. One, two, three. Mark, set, go. A, B, C. Wind, fire, rain. What am I doing? I'm just sharing with you a simple pattern that seems to be a built-in feature of our daily lives, the pattern of three. Somehow we have evolved to see three as a powerful benchmark. Now, mind you, I am not professing that this is absolute, but I choose to start there to arrest your attention to the more important thing that I want us to consider today. How do we live successful lives? No, this is not a motivational speech nor is this intended to be a quick fix recommendation for a better life. But come with me as we explore the text that we started off with. I don't know that we will emerge with another obvious three-part formula. What I know, however, is that the Bible gives us a model of how we can get to a better place in life, how we can overcome, win, succeed as children of God. <laughs> that was intended to be another three-peat. David, who wrote this psalm, had an active and dynamic relationship with God. In fact, this relationship was so special that before we even met David in person in 1 Samuel 16, we read three chapters earlier that God had chosen him to be the next king of Israel after the failures of King Saul. David was described then as a man after God's own heart. That is a huge way to describe a young man. But listen to this. The day when Samuel anointed this teenager to become the next king, this is what the Bible said of him. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. That means that David became a man controlled by the spirit of the Lord from that day on. Mm -hmm. I can now see the question sign on your brow. What is Clyde talking about? Please note that I did not say David was perfect from that day on. Rather, I'm inviting you to see a side of David's story that I strongly recommend that we learn from. Now let us return to the text. One of the biggest blot on David's track record could easily be the most vivid lesson for you and me. Let us take this one instance in his life. David was now king and he was doing pretty well. On this occasion, the army that David was commander-in-chief of went to war, but for some reason, the king did not go with them. One evening, his majesty was walking on the roof of the palace and looked around and saw a woman bathing over her by her home. Hmm. David looked, lusted, and acted. <laughs> he sent for her and David had sex with her. By the way, did I tell you that this woman's husband was in the same army that David had sent out to war? Yes. Well, as time went on, she discovered that she was pregnant from her one night stand with the king. What do they do now? David tried to cover up, 
but his plan did not work. And so David redeployed the woman's husband back into the war zone with a letter that instructed his chief of staff to put him in the front of the firing line where, as you guessed it, he was killed. It now made it possible for David to marry the widow who was pregnant for him and cover up the two sins. Well, later God sent his prophet Nathan to point out to David that God saw the whole thing. David, you have committed a terrible sin against God. David was horrified, embarrassed, devastated that as a man after God's own heart, as a man who had the Spirit of God with him, that he could do such a despicable act. David was beside himself with shame and remorse. So David, who is a man after God's own heart, a man who has the Spirit of the Lord with him, did the only thing he could do. He turned to God. In Psalm 51, we see David walking through the text we are contemplating. The first thing that David did was confess. Really confessed. That is what our text says. To confess is to acknowledge that you have sinned. You can cover your sin from others, but don't try that with God. David, in a sense, started by taking ownership of his wrong, and that led to confessing to God that he had done something wrong. The text says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. Are you still there? Step two, he asked God to do a complete job of cleansing. David went all the way. David asked for a transplant of heart. Seriously, David asked God, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. There is no sense in being sorrowful of the wrongs you do, but then you don't ask God to forgive you and to commit to doing better. David was so determined not to repeat that he asked God to remove the heart that led him to sin and give him a new heart that will not be prone to sin. That is what Jesus does when we confess. He forgives. The third thing David did was promise God that he would live right. It won't happen again. That is the clincher. Where do we go from here? Now that I have confessed and asked for and received forgiveness, then what? The last line of the text says, and lead me in the way everlasting. God, please lead me in right living because I don't want to go back to doing the wrong things. One, two, three. There is the big step, giving God full control of your life so that you won't have to slip and slide again. Number one, confess. Number two, ask for forgiveness. Number three, decide to let Jesus lead you in the path of righteousness.